This week on Honey, You Should Watch This, Greg selected the film The Road Warrior, or what other people know as Mad Max 2. And all I can think is in a world where fuel is the most precious resource, the characters certainly spend a lot of time wasting fuel driving around looking for it. So honestly, is binge watching really all that bad? I think it depends on what you're binge watching. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, people say it's a waste of time, but on <laughs> yeah, well, it's always so Congress. So it yeah, doesn't there you go. make. F- uh, hey, I'm just here for the few. I'm in the coffee. Uh, fair. <laughs> I mean, it, it, if you need fuel, it's not going to fall into your lap while you're sitting in the desert. I mean, to be fair. No, but what I mean, I need fuel, so I'm going to waste the fuel I have looking for more fuel. You're it not just, wasting the fuel, you're using the fuel. But you're still... <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you be looking for water did or you watch, food? Did you watch or, this movie? I did. Okay, then why are you worried about something making sense? True. <laughs> All right? All right, yeah, you do have a point. <laughs> This will fall into the category as one of those movies that you you enjoy it, but you can't analyze it. It's just accept it, watch it, laugh, joke. Yet people do analyze it. Well, you know, maybe we should be making fun of them. <laughs> I don't know, but it just seemed like, I don't know. A I'm bit just, of a waste of time for me. But. I'm just surprised no football games broke out while I was watching this thing. <laughs> I actually think now that now that I've had time to reflect on it, that the pads they were wearing were hockey because they had hockey masks as well. But I don't think did. that hockey is a very big sport in Australia either. It certainly wasn't in 1981. No. Although where they were at for the filming, it was very cold. It was very cold. Well, yes, because it was a desert. Well, it was also winter, mm-hmm. but winter it was very, very cold. Yeah, winter winter in the desert is usually very cold, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so maybe we should just introduce ourselves and move on like we normally move on. We just jumped right into the analysis, and people are like, who is this? What are we listening to? Wait, what have I stumbled across on my AM radio? Well, I can tell you, what you've stumbled across is not worth it. Go to the next station. <gasps> no, don't say that. Well, the next station is our next episode, so it's okay. Oh. I'm just kidding. Huh? <laughs> Self-deprecating humor there. You, you you know me, right? You know yeah, who I am? Yeah, I know, okay. but you know, people don't understand you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a little early, guys. So welcome Jesus to Christ. another episode of Honey, You Should Watch This, um, where a husband and wife, that would be the two of us. This is Greg, my husband. Hi. And I am Susan, his wife. And uh, we pick movies for each other that um, we enjoy, um, but the other one may not because it's really not in their wheelhouse or their taste or, or whatever. Um, so this week was uh, was the Road Warrior, or for the rest of the world, Bad Max Two, because they had to name it the Road Warrior for 
us Americans. Well, they, re- they named it the Road Warrior because they didn't think people were going to know what Mad Max 2 was because Mad Max was, even though it was a very um, successful film, it was only, uh, was, it was a very limited release outside of Australia. Yes. So. Yes. Um, and if you have seen Mad Max and the Road Warrior, you will know that Mad Max is not as good. It's it was it's 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 it is what it is. It's a cult movie, but it was a very low budget, mm-hmm. um, underproduced, you know, blah 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 movie. But like this was overproduced. Uh, this had a <laughs> this had a huge budget. This, Did it really? It was it was the biggest budget of a movie ever when it was made. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things they did in this movie that cost a lot of money back in 1981. Explosions and yeah, shit. Yeah, cars. I mean, they 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 what they used over 80 cars. They destroyed half of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were out in the desert filming, mm-hmm. so they were. I mean, it was you know had to have count compounds and stuff like that. People got hurt. There was it was yeah. It was a, there was a lot of money spent on this. Them. This film was actually a film that was filmed in the sequence of the scenes that it had to do because of the destruction of the cars, which is very rare in an um, action movie. Yes. Yeah, so it's really interesting. Um, so I guess before we get into our discussion, um, I guess I should summarize this. Okay. Movie. Um, and just just a little warning for some of you um, who haven't listened to us before. Um, much like our cats, we spoil everything up in here. <laughs> um, so if you haven't seen The Road Warrior and want to see it, unspoiled um please watch the movie and come back to us please come back to us if you us. haven't seen the road warrior i mean what are we doing well i hadn't what, seen what you, the road what, what are you doing but i hadn't seen the road warrior and what what were you doing i gave you fodder for our podcast there all right okay so uh this is a, a summary of 1981's uh the road warrior or bad max 2 by george miller so following, and some of this I kind of grabbed from Wikipedia, some of this I'm doing it off the top of my head, so. Okay, here we go. Following a global war and collapse of civilization after the Earth's oil supplies were nearly exhausted, barbaric anarchy has become the world's everyday law. Haunted by the death of his family, former policeman Max Rokotansky, is that his name? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's uh-huh. a hard one. Sorry, yep. didn't mean to... All right. He roams the desert wilderness of the post-apocalyptic Australia in a scarred black supercharged V8 pursuit special, scavenging for food and petrol. Max's only companion is his Australian cattle dog and a sawed-off shotgun with scarce ammunition. After driving off a gang led by the unhinged biker warrior Wes and taking petrol from one of their wrecked vehicles... Max finds a nearby gyrocopter and decides to collect its fuel and realizes that the gyrocopter has been booby-trapped. But Max overpowers the pilot hiding... Booby. (laughs) You said booby. (laughs) But Max overpowers the pilot hiding nearby and sparing his life upon being told that a small oil refinery nearby in the wasteland... But... Upon arriving, Max finds the compound underseized by the Marauders, a motley gang of racers and motorcyclists of which Wes is a member. The Marauders' leader, the large, disfigured man called Lord Humongous, a lot of thought went into that name. It was 1981. Yeah. 
So his gang swarm the complex, believing the compound contains some kind of petrol reserves or even a small refinery. Max seizes an opportunity after witnessing Humongous's gang viciously attack a couple of scouts from the refinery. While he makes no attempt to help or prevent the attack, he does go down afterwards and returns one of the scouts who is clinging to life and brings them back to the refinery um, upon agreement of exchange for fuel. But the man dies before he can confirm their agreement and the tribe's leader, Papagallo, is that his name? Papagallo. Papagallo. Sounds like a cartoon character. It sounds like uh, Nick Papa Giorgio from Vegas Vacation. (laughs) (laughs) yes that's it oh my god okay so the tribe's leader cannot honor the agreement and they take max captive um max uh seizes another opportunity when he learns the tribe needs a semi to haul their tanker to escape the refinery so max offers to retrieve uh one that he saw down the road in exchange for as much fuel as he can take with him he evades the humongous humongous's gang uh with the help of the tribe's feral child um, and later happens upon the gyro captain and forces him to assist in getting the semi. Upon his return to the refinery, um, Max refuses to help any further and takes his bounty and leaves. He is then attacked by Humongous's gang and left for dead. But the gyro captain sees the explosion of his car and rescues Max and returns him to the refinery. Max decides he must redeem himself by driving the tanker so that the tribe can escape. Lord Humongous and most of his warriors pursue the tanker, leaving the remaining settlers free to flee the compound in a ramshackle caravan, um, rigging the compound to explode. After Papagallo and the defenders are killed during the chase, uh, the gyro captain is shot down, and Max and the feral kids, um, the feral kid who stowed, abo- uh, stowed away on the semi, um, find themselves alone against the marauders. Uh, Wes boards the truck um, and tries to kill the two of them. However, the semi's head-on collision with Humongous's car kills both Wes and Humongous. And as Max carries the injured feral child from the wrecked tanker, he sees not oil, but sand leaking from the tank, revealing that he was a decoy, which allowed the other settlers to escape with the fuel and oil drums hidden inside of their vehicles. With Papagallo dead, the gyro captain succeeds him as their chief and leads the settlers to the coast where they establish the great Northern, tri- uh, Northern tribe. But Max, he goes his own way, and he calls it another lonely day. All right. So the cast, obviously, if you don't know that Mel Gibson is Mad Max, you've been living under a rock, but... <laughs> Bruce Spence plays the gyro captain. Michael Preston is Papagallo. Uh, Max Phillips is Humongous t- Humongous's Toadie, who adds a bit of comic relief to this whole thing, too. Uh, Vernon Wells is Wes. Um, Kajil Nilsson as Humongous. And Emil Minty is the feral kid, among others in this cast. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so why did you have me watch this? Because this is a great movie. Is it? It is. It's a great movie. This movie is, this is a good movie. This is a fun movie. It's off the rails and it's. It is, yeah. And it's, um, it's not like extremely believable, but 
I mean, this for a movie that was made in 1981, this was a this was a damn good movie. This movie is in the top 100 action movies of anybody that votes like Rolling Stone polls or things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this is not Empire Strikes Back. It's not Little Miss Sunshine. It, it, but it's yeah. it is it is what it is, and that's that's where it's at. I didn't have you watch Mad Max leading up to it because you don't really need to know much except that his family gets killed. That that's all you need to right. know. Mad Max is really slow and it's a little graphic too. I mean, there's a there's a pretty bad rape scene in it, um, but it was like 1979, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But this this leads up to it, and I mean, let's be honest, this is a very iconic franchise. I mean, everybody knows the Road Warrior. Every I mean, Fury Road, Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tina Turner, for God's sakes. <laughs> I just know the song. Yeah, yeah. That uh, movie was not as good as Road Warrior. The Beyond Thunderdome mm-hmm. had its moments, but it was like, wow, can we just move on with this? But I had you watch this because uh, this is kind of like um, it's an iconic movie as far as filmmaking went. So, okay, yeah. All right. When did you first see this movie? Oh, long time ago. I was a kid. You were because it came. I mean, you were a kid when it came out. You were like you were nine. You were nine. I was nine when it came out. I probably saw this. I would imagine I probably saw this like with James or something, um, on VHS. Like probably a I saw I saw Thunderdome in the theaters. So, but and I had seen this before that. So I saw this before I was what thirteen. Really, fourteen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, it gets a lot of crap for being violent, but it's really not. I mean, yeah, it's not I like was... it's not like Friday the Thirteenth violent type. It's just kind I of... was hesitant to come into this because you know I. I mean, there is a rape scene, um, which I don't think was absolutely necessary, but um, I thought it would be a lot more that kind of violent, predatory, rapey, you know. Well, they stay away from rape scenes now because it bothers so many people. But back then, that was how you truly showed someone was a piece of garbage, was they raped a woman, right? That mm-hmm. was... that was. Oh, he's not that bad of a guy. Oh, he raped a woman. Oh, he's dead. Kill him. I mean, that's just right. that was the mindset back then. Plus, well, I mean, it, Max is not a good person in this film. I mean, no, he's very opportunistic. He's very he doesn't want to be close to anybody because of his his great loss, poor baby. Um, and his, you know, he he, you know, I, I don't want to get hurt again, so I don't want to, you know, let other people in. Um, so he treats people like shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> just... who did he treat like shit in this movie? The gyro captain for one. Why? Why? Why did he treat the guys like, because he was, the guy, gyro captain was going to kill him. The gyro captain was also going to steal his gasoline and leave him in the middle of the desert for dead. So do you think that the gyro captain would have shown the mercy that Mel Gibson showed? Well, I mean, he did. Eventually, he actually, you know, uh, saved him. And eventually. He kept yeah. trying to, mo- like, be partners with him. And he was like, yeah, no, no thanks. Well, yeah, because how can you trust that guy? Well, how can to you be- trust Max? To begin with, well, you can't. How can you trust anybody in that situation? Put yourself in the situation where the world is just fucking over. I trust over. the dog. Yeah, well, <laughs> I would trust the dog, too, but... I mean, he he didn't just meet the guy, and the guy was like, "Hey, let's be buddies," and he's like, "No, fuck you, you're my prisoner." No, he, I mean, the, the guy. Well, the, I mean, that's the world, right? That's the that's world exactly, they're building. Is exactly nobody, correct. no one can really, you know, tr- trust anyone. But no. it's like it's not like the tribe was, you know, abused Max. You know, when they brought him in, they just. 
didn't struggled. trust him and I, I and think Max kind of... I think Max knew what was gonna happen. No matter what, no matter how it went down, Max knew what was gonna happen. They were outgunned, they were outmanned, mm-hmm. there was there was more cars that the Marauders had, they were more violent, they were willing to be crazier to kill him. Mm-hmm. I he I think he knew what was gonna happen and he he only drove the truck because he had to. He had he had no other way to get out of there at that point. So I think it was um uh I, I think he knew. Mm-hmm. We talked about that at, at the end with the sand. I think he probably knew at that point he was just like, you know what, I just gotta do whatever I can. I'm the decoy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but. I'm yeah. Um it's I don't know because I, I He's definitely, you know, one of our earliest versions of the the anti-hero along the lines of, um, it is really along the lines of Spaghetti Western, right? Where you've got the... Well, this movie was heavily inspired by Shane. Yeah. The, the movie Shane. So, yes, it is a Spaghetti Western style movie. Yeah, very, very much. Um, the, only, the only difference is that the redemption arc is not that... St- um, steep, right? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but he did save everybody. He did save everybody, but he it's not like he did it to be, you know, a better person. He just did it because that's what he had to do. Um, well, I mean, when you're living in the apocalypse, sometimes you just do what you have to do. Maybe you're not trying to be the better person. Right. He just wanted a Twinkie. He just wanted a Twinkie. Yeah, well, he got dog food. Yeah, dog food's pretty damn good. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so the, the, the style of this... Uh, Film is obviously iconic and um, oft made fun of <laughs> because it is cartoonishly ridiculous. Um, well, like I, somebody raided a, a sports store and a, an S and M shop at a. Um <laughs> did you read that somewhere? No, you know what I did read though is um, the the podcast Film Spotting. John John Larson is is one of the is their host, and he has a. Um, a website called uh, Larson on Film, and I, I quote, it's as if the sand people from Star Wars went into a leather bar and came out with a new branding strategy. The <laughs> costumes were made by the costume designer after she raided junk shops, secondhand uh, clothing stores, sporting outlets, and S&M shops. All right, there we go. So there you go. And she was also heavily influenced for the costumes. Uh, uh, costume designer Norma Morisot was inspired by an S&M leather shop near her house in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot imagine being out in the desert for how many, it took them what? How 12 many, weeks. 12 weeks to do this with, in leather chaps with my ass hanging out. <laughs> okay, so, um, I forgot which character it was. Is it Wes? I think, I think it, I don't think it was Wes. He was the mon- he was the barometer. They called him Purple Cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> they called him Purple Cheeks. Mel Gibson called him Purple Cheeks because when his butt would turn purple, they knew it was time to put everybody in the buses to warm him up. Because all the marauders, they had you know the assless chaps yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> and when his butt would start to turn purple, they knew it was time for everybody to to, to huddle up and warm up. Can you imagine doing stunts and that kind of shit though? I mean. <laughs> Well, they said they said the Marauders um, at the beginning, in between takes, would like, you know, put on beanies and stuff because they were embarrassed by their hair and everything. And said by the third or fourth or fifth week, they embraced it. Like, hey, we're supposed. This is what we're supposed to look like. But yeah, it was. 
Wedgies for weeks. I'm <laughs> telling I, you. I don't think there was anything there to have a wedgie on. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was... Uh, did we miss some questions? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just, yeah, it just we, hit me. Yeah, you probably missed, like, what did I think about this? What did I think it was going to be? Blah, oh, yeah, yeah. Blah, well, blah. Yeah, what were you expecting? I Like I said, I was expecting something a lot more violent than, than, okay. than what we got and a lot more disturbing, you know, in terms of, you know rapiness and whatnot but well, i think still i think st- well one of the things that to, to step back to that we probably i should probably shouldn't have changed uh mm-hmm. ideas there so fast i'm sorry guys um it was made in australia first of all and mm-hmm. australia critics are a lot more strict than the uh mpaa is in the united states they cut this film way you mean down censors not critics sorry yes yeah. censors i don't like the critics no i'm kidding uh, they, the censors cut it way down. Like they cut, they, there was like scenes they literally cut out. Um, they added a couple of scenes when it came to the United States. The two that were most notable was when Wes got shot with the arrow and he pulled the arrow out. Yeah. And oh, when he uh, when he pulled the when Wes pulled the boomerang out of Golden Boy's head. Okay. Yeah. Those were the two that were added back in. So, but it was also 1981, and we still in movies. We still were not in the United States, even though we had a few slasher movies. Even if you go back to Halloween, which was seventy-seven, I think. Yeah, no, there's no it's, blood. There, it's yeah. not. It's violent, but it's not gory. Right. And this movie was not gory at all. I mean, in fact, there was very little blood, except for on Mel Gibson's face. Right. Um. the The rape scene was was bad. Uh. You know, they were doing things like that, and they set the people on fire. But that was not. It, right. it wasn't like over the top blood and guts and gross. So uh, it, it I, I I think that it's equated with violence because of the um, of the the idea that you're in apocalypse and these guys. But it's really I mean it's really just a big car chase movie. If you want to get right down to it, all the violence inv- is involved with you know maybe some people getting shot with some uh, some bows, but cars blowing up and shit like that. So wasn't I mean if you get right down to it, Braveheart was significantly more violent than this. <laughs> And I didn't mean to like be like, oh, poor baby, making fun of you know, m- m- Mad Max because I know Mad Max is I- iconic, Mel Gibson less so these days. But um, oh, Mad Max, Mel Gibson is pretty iconic, <laughs> just not especially, the way he wants to be. Especially if you're of the Jewish faith. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's it's uh, you know you 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 know the whole thing where uh, I. Somebody that's so so hurt that they just don't want to let anybody in again. That they're to the point of you know. Yeah, but the the fact of the matter is letting other people die and letting other people get hurt and, and stuff like that. Especially formerly being a cop, it doesn't. It's it's in, such a one eighty, right? In that situation, though, you have to make the decision: Are you going to help people, or are you going to survive? Because if you're going to help people, you're probably not going to survive because you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to protect them. Mm-hmm. What if what if he had decided he was going to protect that compound? Do you think that he would have been able to take out all the marauders? No, no. So he's probably going to die. So his idea was, I'm going to, I, I, I helped this guy out. You owe me gasoline. Give him my gasoline. I'm going to bolt. He figured he was just going to outrun him, and he was, and he was going to be on his own again. You only have to worry about yourself. He shared food with the dog. He ate what he needed to eat. He was good. He didn't have to worry about a whole town. So. It's it's one or the other. You can't in that in that situation. You can't do both. I mean, we've watched shows like The Walking Dead and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you you can't save or protect everybody. So, 
that's that's what they're going after. They're going after the fact that he was a loner that didn't care about anybody else. But his character redemption arc was that he saved everybody right. at the end, even though he didn't really have a choice. Right. So I mean, the larger redemption arc would be the gyro captain, right? Because he was opportunistic. Oh yeah. And came in opportunistic, and when he came into yeah. when he came in with the the gyrocopter into the ref, into the refinery, the captain character there that when you said was Phil Collins, um, <laughs> he did look like he looked like Phil Collins. He you know he's basically offering up his daughter you know to this guy because he thinks he could get her out of there, right? And so, but he becomes the leader right and he becomes the caretaker of of these people and max so that's your, your there's your redemption arc right there yeah but even then he was going to leave in the middle of the night with the girl with the girl eventually and, 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 no no he was going to leave in the middle of the right. night because there's the scene I where know. she's like i can't leave these people i watched the movie <laughs> i'm sorry go ahead <laughs> go ahead he was he he wasn't that great of a person until the end either. Right. He was going to take his shit and leave, and, and mm-hmm. the girl. So it's not like he was this, you know, no, no. manna from heaven but, guy. But his redemption arcs, because I mean, he could have just said when she said she wasn't going to go because yes. she needed to be with her family. Well, he could have said, "Well, he screw- was horny." <laughs> <laughs> Duh. I mean, he could have said, you know, screw you and. And gone, gone too. But I mean, I think he needed people as well, and I think he was definitely a lot more, um, like I said, wanting to to be there with Max and help Max um, than anybody else, other than the dog. Yeah. Fair. So, um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, so. We as American audiences, um, our beginning of the film was much different than the rest of the world who had seen Mad Max, um, where they have that whole explanation of what happened mm-hmm. um, with the flashback scenes of, you know, that alluded yeah. to the death of, of the, the wife and the son. Um, I guess uh, the orig- original film, the Mad Max 2, just opens with him driving because we're sp- supposed to have you know you're supposed to have seen the first one exactly understand it right yeah well you know americans all need you know backstory so i guess i don't know we're not that bright well they're not that bright i'm fine (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm extremely smart (laughs) and amazingly good looking too so (laughs) thanks america (laughs) um so uh, on that note, uh, it, when the trailer was released in the United States, Mel Gibson was not featured in the trailer at all because nobody knew who Mel Gibson was at that point. Right. He was, what, 21 at the time? Or was he 21 in the first one? Oh, I don't know. He probably in the first one. I, uh, I'm i not sure. I, I don't I didn't check his age. But uh, he had not had any real massive hits in the United States. So what they did was on the trailer, they focused on the car, the car scenes and chases. Right. Because we love our car chases. We still do. In fact, yeah. I'm going to go watch one right now. I'll be right back. <laughs> Well, of course you, we do because you wouldn't have so many goddamn Fast and the Furiouses, right? Well, let's not go crazy. Is that how I you say that? Furiouses? Yes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the plural of sheep. Um, <laughs> Mel Gibson only had 16 lines in the whole movie. Yep. And two of them were, I only came for the gasoline. I only came for the gasoline. <laughs> that's what I was trying to say in the beginning. I only came for the coffee. Uh, I, I, I find it inter- interesting that he is 
the, I mean, the linchpin of the series. Mm-hmm. And even in the second one or in the third one, there's not a lot of lines. It's right. it's very you know figured out. I mean, like I, I think half of the of mm-hmm. Thunderdome, he's walking through the desert by himself. So yeah, and there was like you know obviously the the exposition is you you kind of got to watch and and kind of figure things out. Um, you know, as Americans too, it's it's very difficult sometimes to listen to an Australian accent and and really make out clearly yes. what they're saying. Like I you. I binge watched Ka- uh, Kath and Kim, which mm-hmm. is the Australian comedy from the Australia. Well, the, I was going to say the early to mid um, aughts, right? And um, they, uh, it, I have to rewatch it uh, a lot of the episodes because I there's so much I miss. Um, so you got to kind of go in for the nuances and things like that. Um, but there was a part where I was like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> I think when they were watching the refinery and all this other stuff's going on, and I'm like, I don't get it. What's going on? <laughs> you mean when he was up on the hill? Yeah. 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 Like, I don't, I don't get it. What's going on? I don't understand. Um, the rest of it was fairly easy to figure out, though. There was a couple of things that I did not know about this movie that I learned. Uh, let's talk about Golden Boy for a second. Stay pony, Golden Boy. Yeah, stay, stay pony, Golden Boy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll stay pony golden. So uh, the uh, the stay thought golden pony boy get it? Yeah, yeah, I, I got okay. it. I, I had to explain oh, it. Oh, I got it. Yeah. The 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 idea there is that you think he's Wes's sex toy, his his his, toy, his, his boy his, toy, his, his boy toy. Yeah, that's not the case. The case is there's a deleted scene where he actually rescues Golden Boy as a child. Okay, and takes care of him, and he's his father figure at this okay. point, which. You dressed him up really weird for that to be yeah, your, um, your storyline there. Yeah, you expected him to kind of be walking around him you know, around on a chain, but I, it's funny because there's... On all fours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listened to a couple film analysis um, on YouTube, and unfortunately I cannot quote them, but I will put them in, into the, the show notes. Um, but one of them, you know, was, was talking about that, and they were saying, you know, it's 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 the audience would generally think you know this is his his toy yeah. right and the scene where um they attack the man and the woman um and as the woman's being raped you have Wes with his um his crossbow um take a look a very long look at golden boy um and then turn and shoot the guy and so that analyst was saying well is that uh the, the analyst of the film was saying you know is that him telling him if you don't you know you don't if you aren't good or you aren't doing what i tell you to this could be you um but it's funny with that where did you get that information imdb imdb okay so i'm wondering if it's him just you know being a proud dad showing him this is what you do or i don't know i mean he's he's definitely not He's not in a, a role where he's attacking. He's not in a role where he's being trained to attack. So it, it is a little odd to try to figure that out. I also think it makes more sense the way Wes flips out when he dies. Because, I mean, if you're, if you're that guy, right, mm-hmm. and you, you, it's, just, it's just your boy of the week, you know what I mean, type thing, and right. he gets killed, you would probably be angry. But, I mean, he literally 
comes unhinged more than he is already unhinged. I mean, he he does things like he completely ignores Humongous's orders. Mm-hmm. Um, he puts people at other people at risk. You know what I mean? And right. not even for gasoline, just because he wants to kill. Because he wants, he wants to, to kill, kill Max. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's to me, it's more of a of a. A, a, an action of love and not an action of lust. You know. You know right, what I mean. Right. I mean. I mean. If he wants to have sex with a guy, there's plenty of guys out there that probably want to have sex. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it just. Plus, that was kind of really risque not, not, <laughs> for the for oh, the yeah. period. Oh yeah. yeah. Huge. Yeah. Hugely like. Oh my God. What are you talking about for for night for 1981? So. I, I I thought that that when I read that 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 made a lot of sense to me. It made more sense than he just had his you know boy toy on the back of his motorcycle. So. Uh, what was the other one? The other one was um, oh, uh, the there was uh, the original opening of the movie was supposed to be Wes. You know how they um, they just they're chasing them at the beginning. Mm-hmm. There was supposed to be something going on where they were raiding a farmhouse. Wes, Wes, and those guys and uh, Mad Max drives by and they hear the the sound because it's a big V8, which was not a, a common thing back then. And Wes sees the huge fuel tanks on the back of the car. Mm-hmm. And so they, they chase him down and that's why they're chasing him. Right. So it was kind of a, that makes more sense too. Again, studios, please just let your director direct the movie. Don't don't let him film stuff and just cut stuff out because you don't think we need it. We as fans would love to see this stuff. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's what I said, yeah. So Yeah, I said it. The feral kid. Oh, here, here, here it is. What, what? According to Vernon Wells, Wes's partner, Golden Youth, sorry, not Golden Boy, Golden, Golden Youth, <laughs> wasn't actually a sexual partner. Wells says there was a deleted scene which explained that Wes rescued Golden Boy as a child and became sort of a surrogate father to him. However, there's no evidence of this aside from this statement. Most of the actors were told by George Miller to make up their own backstory themselves. Oh, okay. All right. I knew I had it's kind of like you know, Fury Road is was built on what was going to be seen on screen and not necessarily the a storyline. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would that would be in the same vein, obviously because it's it's source material. And to back my my statement up at the beginning about how this has been voted, this was the voted the ninety third greatest film of all time by Entertainment Weekly. Really, that's a little high for me. But when I start thinking about how many awesome movies there are out there, I don't know how many I'd put above Road Warrior because of what it did when it did it. You know what I mean? But ninety third. Mm. Eventually, eventually we'll have a ninety third president. So, <laughs> in our lifetime, I'm not sure. No, not in our lifetime. No, no. Um, so thank God, the feral kid. Um, again, a lot of is extremely cartoony because okay even though everybody's you know on edge and trying to to save their life you you would at least think that it would pick up some language he sorry not it (laughs) he would pick up pick up some language skills um from being around other humans who yeah but we don't know how long that kid's been there has been with him or not Mm. i mean it is revealed at the end that the narrator is the feral kid right and he obviously learned how to talk yeah yeah. so i you know we don't again with no backstory knowing how long they're although they've had to have been there for a while because they've built a refinery right you know so right um and uh as far as you know him having that boomerang and learning how to use it and all that i mean it's 
there's there's a lot of questions as to you know okay how did how do you get so good at that? Well, look, there's a lot of questions in this movie. Oh, lots. R- regardless, Tons. Per- period. Yeah, I mean, we could probably do a whole episode right. just on on questions. Again, one of those things where you just have to look at it and go, right. okay, I accept it. Moving on. He wasn't. He, you know, I know he's supposed to kind of be uh, a reminder to Max of the son that he lost and, and all that, but he, he wasn't that cute. <laughs> Sorry, Emil Minty. Um. Well, nobody with a mullet is cute. <laughs> Period. Mullets aren't sexy, ladies and gentlemen. I'll say it. It was I'll Joe Dirt. Right. Oh my god! It was. It was. It was the first incarnation of Joe Dirt. I'm. I'm I'll say it right to his face. I say it right to his face. I, yeah. I tell you, you, you married a sea cow. I say it right to his face. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, we don't know how long he was there. We know that he had feelings and compassion, right? Because he actually you know was trying to help out mad max and stuff like that but yeah he kind of imprinted on max you know yeah big time yeah well when he gave him the the little music box that yeah that was yeah yeah (laughs) so the other thing that um i learned in in doing some research after the fact that i i don't know if the original idea was or kind of built off the thought that um, Max's partner in the first one, and I don't remember his name, the one that got burned. Yeah. Um, that was supposed to be yes. him, but there, there is a train of thought out there that says Humongous is Max's old partner. Right, but his body is not burned, just his face. Yeah. Um. So. Well, you know, uh, he went and saw uh in in Beverly Hills. He went and saw the plastic surgeon. <laughs> Um, it was the same plastic surgeon that Goldie Hawn uses, and um, they did they did some work. They took some skin from his ass and used it for his. <laughs> he drank. He drank the potion that they. That's had. why he's the only yeah. one. That's why he's the only one that you don't see his ass because <laughs> he's embarrassed at the scarring. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, if if they can make up their own backstories, yeah. so can I. <laughs> so I. <laughs> I understand the fact that, you know, if you're going to be marauding and stuff like that, you want to intimidate the people that you're trying to get your, the oil from. So, you know, Humongous has got the bod, so he's going to want to show it and stuff like that. But that's not the best thing to be wearing in the desert. No, it's not. <laughs> um, the other, There's another thought uh, that the the gun that Humongous uses. Because it's a World War II gun, is it? No, it's no. not a World War II gun. It had a World War II symbol on it yeah. that was a prominent from the Nazis. The Nazis used it. Right. But it's a, it was a... A very popular gun for police officers to use. Okay, yeah. In, in that era, um, in Australia, and, and it had the picture like of this couple, yeah. And like it was nine. It looks like nine, very nineteen forties. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's a it's a symbol from from Nazi Germany that yeah. they use for stuff. And I can look it up on the break, but it was yeah. But it it was supposed to be like another, you know. This is just we're 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 hinting that these two know each other. So you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Also, the fact that um, several of the vehicles that were in the Marauders group were police police vehicles. So, you know. Yeah, definitely. So that was the other thing, too, because all these like cop cars with the, the lights on and stuff like that when they're in, it's night and they're out in front of that refinery. I'm like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> How was there law and order when there was no law and order? Uh, they're just using the cars. Yeah. I do I do like your comment at the beginning for the opening about driving around looking for fuel and using all the fuel. They drove around a lot mm-hmm. 
outside that refinery and they didn't have to be intimidating yeah yeah they didn't have like a tanker truck with them so right well i mean that's you know i i understand for the simplicity of the story and the fact that you know that that's they don't want it to be like, overly complex and i think fury road does a better job of setting up the needs for a post-apocalyptic world where that, I can't remember the name of the, the big baddie in that one, the guy with the face mask. The big baddie, that was yeah. his actual name. His big baddie, yeah. yeah. Um, where he's got, you know, all the technology and he's growing the food and, you know, he's got his concubines and he releases maybe a little bit of water every day to try to control the people. But there's more... Um, uh, concern as far as immediate human needs of water and food right. and, and things like that um, versus just gasoline. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know, again, you probably had, I've read a lot of articles about Fury Road um, and George Miller did that one as well with George Miller, right? Yeah. George Miller did that one yeah. as well. Um, there was a lot of problems on the set because Charlize Theron and Tom Hardy had no idea what Miller was going for because he didn't explain right. it to him and they were doing all this crazy stuff and of course with all the CGI and everything right. um and and they you know literally talked to him afterwards and he apologized cuz he thought that they were he being a genius air yeah. quotes he just figured they knew what he was doing um on this set you didn't really have that luxury mm-hmm. i mean you you were up against the money that he was probably given to do Fury Road was probably through the damn roof so he had a lot more cuz he's George Miller I think right. I and, and 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 it is a better it's a better story and it's a it's a more well put together universe. But in 1981, they didn't they didn't care about that shit. No, you know what I mean? no. Just, I mean the time that they spent on Fury Road too, as far as the 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 visual, uh, the cin- cinematography, the cinematography. Ooh, mm, delicious. Well, it is fall. Um, <laughs> the pumpkin spice photography. I like cinnamon. Uh, um, the cinematography, the food, and the stripper. Um, you know the the does you know the, the the way that they when they cut between things that they're they've got what you want they want you to focus on in the middle of the screen. Right. Right. Um, so the the cuts between scenes and stuff like that aren't as quite as chaotic. It's easy to stay with the story and they kind of get into the story from the get go. Yeah. Um, even though there's not much dialogue and not much explanation of what's going on, you can get engrossed into this world. Whereas what he was doing before, obviously they didn't have the luxury of, of doing that. Right. Um, but I can understand probably because I, I don't think Tom Hardy and um, Shirley Theron got along too because they're probably they're both very frustrated in the desert. You know, it well, doesn't make for that's you know, exactly what good they times. said. Everyone's like they didn't like each other on set, and they both said after the movie, it wasn't that we didn't like each other. So we just we were we were frustrated. We didn't know what the hell you know we 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 would do something, and then we didn't know what we, what we did was right, and then we're thinking that you know. Tom uh, Charlize Theron is thinking that Tom Hardy should be doing this differently because sh- uh, her vision was not what George Miller's vision was, which was not what Tom Hardy. Right. So Hard- uh, Miller said that if they do another one, that it will he will he will be much more um, in depth with the characters. This is what I'm look- going for, so that they know they they got along great. It was just a lot of stress. Right. It was it was almost like they were filming during a pandemic. <clears throat> <laughs> so. Yeah, and but, yeah, and but when you see the the differences between what they filmed and then what what was added in after CGI and stuff like that, crazy. I can it's nuts. Yeah. 
It is insane. I mean, it's that, I mean, this film, I think, was, I, I liked it more than I thought I was going to. The Road Warrior? Yeah, The Road okay. Warrior. Um, but Fury Road is... Well, Fury Road's a masterpiece. A, a brilliant film. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, it really is. So I'm going to always like that right. one more. Well, it kind of stinks because you went into Fury Road not having seen any of the of the Mad Max movies. Mm-hmm. So... Your idea, which is a testament to Fury Road. Yeah, you know? your mad, your mad, your idea of Mad Max is Tom Hardy, and that's a lot different than Mel Gibson. So it, but, but right, right. yeah, but that completes because um, one of the other, and I'll link the other video to it when they were talking about the redemption arc of Mad Max. Is you have to look at his arc throughout the film series, right? And it's not, you know, it's not like this arc like this. It's very. Uh, almost imperceptible levels of, mm-hmm. of arc, arcitude. Um, That's a real word. <laughs> arcing? Is yeah. that arcing? Um, so it's, it is, it's, it's, it's definitely not what a lot of people were used to seeing um, that early on. Like even when you have, um, those revenge films, which which makes sense that Bad Max would come out in the late seventies because you're you're off the the tail of um you know the Bronson films and um what were those films called Death Wish De- Death Wish films you know um I Spit on Your Grave all those revenge films where the hero becomes anti hero but you know is is right. avenging or revenging um so yeah, it makes sense but that's really as far as creating a continuous kind of anti-hero, that's I think that's probably one of your first examples of, yeah. of that in the in the genres, movie genre, I guess. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's okay. You're doing fine. <laughs> you uh, you got anything else you want to hit before we take a break? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. You don't want to hit me. Why would I want to hit you? I don't know. I usually deserve it. And we are back. Yay, us. Yay. We win. Yay. All right, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier in the po- this episode, I was talking about how some people um, throw uh, more of an, an a, a lens on this film, you know, to analyze it. Um, there was a really interesting essay that I found um, by uh, J. Emmett Wynn. It's entitled Mad Max, Reaganism, and the Road Warrior. So basically what it is, it is an investigation of the trilogy um, and how it resonates with the social field of its time. Um, so even though that they're futuristic and they're set in Australia, that they resonated with U.S. audiences because of this um, Reaganism was kind of touting the need to right the social order and build conservative nationalism um, that would uh, thwart uh, deviancy that they saw um, and provided kind of that Western hero mythology back into America. Um, So it's an interesting read. I can put a link to it in the show notes, but... um, that's just kind of one lens that I found of it. I mean, a lot of people look at it in several different ways, but it brings back the, you know, Western hero Reagan to Western. <laughs> yeah, but Mad this movie Max. wasn't made in the United States. It, was it made wasn't. In Australia. Yeah, but it, they're saying that it resonated with the audience because of the the Western 
um, influences of uh, that Western being the film genre, right? Spaghetti Western, um, you know, the, the humongous gang and all the, all the other violent, um, characters we see within the trilogy, you know, have to be defeated. They were just misunderstood. They were misunderstood. They were just misunderstood. They didn't get enough love as a child. Uh, maybe they got too much love as a child. Who mm-hmm. knows? Daddy Daddy didn't approve of his want to be an architect, and it just right? went downhill. I mean, who wants their kid to be an architect? For God's <laughs> sakes. I'm an architect. I'd rather, I'd rather my kid be a YouTube influencer. <laughs> But anyway, it's if, if you want to check it out, I think it is it's kind of an interesting exploration of all three films. So. Gotcha. So there's a scene in the movie where um, there's a crash, and it's a guy on a motorcycle. Yes, crashes, I read about that. Right? Okay. Um, it's I, I don't know the timestamp, but it's it's towards the 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 second half of the movie, and the 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 stunt was supposed to be he drives his motorcycle and. Um, he end up hits a car, but it's like a, a ramp, and then he launches mm-hmm. himself. The the stunt went bad. Yep. He hit the car, and it literally ejected him from his motorcycle. And you see him in the air, flipping and doing somersaults. And if you freeze frame it, you can see that his leg is bending in a direction that it's not supposed to bend. Um, the guy got messed up pretty bad. Yeah. But it was such a good scene that they all agreed to keep it. And the scene at the end where the tanker truck rolls over, they acknowledge that this scene was so dangerous that the tanker truck driver was not allowed to eat anything for 12 hours prior to them doing the because stunt. Because they didn't want to take him to the because ER, if yeah. Because they figured they'd have to take him to the ER for surgery and they didn't want any food in his stomach. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't need a paycheck that bad. <laughs> uh, that was... When I read that, I'm like, okay, Bill, this is what's going to happen today. You're going to drive this truck, right? You're going to drive it really fast. You're going to flip it over. Sounds good, boss. What safety precautions do we have in place? Well, the safety precautions are you're not allowed to eat. Um, <laughs> what? what? Uh, George Miller turned down the opportunity to direct First Blood because he wanted to direct this. Right. Yeah, that was interesting. Not right. I know. Correct. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. I hear you. You hear me? You picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah. Sweet. (laughs) So of all the cavalcade of characters in this film, who are are your favorites? I, I don't. I don't have a favorite. You don't? No. I mean, it's it's Mad Max. It, It it's Mad Max, but. There are some that I tolerate. There are some that I don't like at all. Um, when I was little, Humongous scared the shit out of me. Just walk away. <laughs> it just, I, you're like, okay. Um, Righto. Mic drop. <laughs> I am out. In fact, here are the keys. Here's my car. Here's my wallet and my shoes. And please put a shirt on. I mean, fucking scary. For for I mean it was scary. Um, he had the mask before Jason did. Yeah. Was he? Was this before the first Friday the Thirteenth? I believe it was. Yes. Okay. Because this did. I mean, this, his mask was metal and was more like iron. Actually, maybe, it was you know? not. It was, was it? it was a regulation plastic hockey mask oh, that really? they painted silver, silver, huh. and then 
tints of black on it so that it would look metal and they changed the straps on the back and there are the scene where you're looking at the back of his head mm-hmm. you can see that the the new straps are held together with like copper rivets but it was it was a plastic hockey mask huh. um the guy that played humongous was a mr sweden okay uh his you can bodybuilder yeah. yeah you can look his name up but he was like six foot three which was really tall for the time but um i mean you know it's 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 We'll we'll fall back on that little thing you said about the thing you just wrote. You you rooted for the good guys. You know you liked right. the mechanic. You liked Papa Gallo. You liked the Feral Kid. You liked. I don't know if I liked the Feral Kid. I, it was creepy. He was the, creepy, but I mean, I like the mechanics. They were great. They were funny. That scene. That scene where he's like cracked uh, radiators, damaged at the core. Radiators damaged at the core. That that was ad libbed. Yeah. They just they just started doing it, and everybody thought it was hysterical. Um, I you know the good guys. I liked the gyrocopter guy mm-hmm. uh captain captain sky planet but I, <laughs> you know but i mean he's been in other films like he was in was it, oh i have to look it up what he was in but, but he's been in a lot of other why films. why was he the only person in the movie that had jacked up teeth i mean that shit was nasty every time the i looked mechanics at him, like, that was, had some jacked up teeth, yeah but they, were they just, talked about they the were gap just crooked. and they were like making a joke about yeah, the... but they were just crooked i mean they weren't <laughs> caked in green goo i mean it was well, just he, like he hid underneath the um the sand all the time to try to like get his right. snakes to attack people. Um, I guess when he was height, cause the whole thing was, you know, Max sees the gyrocopter, stops the car, goes out, sees that the, the gyrocopter has a snake on it and quickly not dispatches of the snake. Cause the snake was still alive, but grabs it. And I guess when, uh, the actor who plays the gyrocopter, um, he was sick prior to this. Like he had been in the hospital prior to this film. So yes. He's so, that's why he's so damn skinny, Bruce Spence, um, that he had a very hard time getting up out of the sand to, you know, put the gun on him. So that was a very difficult Crossbow. scene for him. Crossbow. Yeah. That's all the right. Gun. Yeah. The arrow gun. Yeah. Um, well, that's one thing that there's not much of in this movie is guns. Yeah. You know, I mean, the there's a lot of arrows. Where the hell are all the arrows coming from? Well, it's easier to make arrows than it is bullets. That's true. You know, and if you notice, even Humongous, even though he had that gun, he only used it at certain times. Right. It wasn't just like I got a gun. Uh, you know what I mean? But yeah. Pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the gyro captain's entertaining. Um, the toady is a is somewhat entertaining. Especially at the end when he kind of gets his come up, because you know he's got that he he looks like a, a toady. Like he, he does. looks like he a toady, um, and he's all you know very. Um, not only at the, when he gets his come up, up and it's when the the feral kids got the his really sharp boomerang and ends up killing Golden Pony Boy or whatever his name is, uh, Golden Grams, and <laughs> oh, uh, it'll it'll oh, stick. Does Golden Grams? Yep, crispy um and wes is just trying to get him and he throws the thing back and he's like i'll get it like the feral kid has this makeshift kind of glove thing that he can catch it with so he did get hurt and so he's like i'm gonna get it he puts his hand up and he loses two fingers and i'm like i i was laughing at it with you i'm like that's so stupid what makes you think that you're gonna you've just seen it go into somebody's forehead inches into somebody's forehead think about that he uh feral kid throws the boomerang right right and he throws it and wes ducks and it hits golden grams right and it embeds in his head Mm -hmm. but he's got (laughs) but he's got he's got a little cloth 
fur glove that prevents him from getting cut. Seriously, right. well, it's it, got it, a hide probably that it, would. But yeah, it embedded into his skull. <laughs> that's true. And the fur is going to protect You're his right. hand. You're right. You know what? I, okay, that's why I'm saying uh, we could literally do a two-hour. <laughs> I have questions on this movie, but you I, just I got a lot of questions. You just, yeah. you just have to let. Right. You just gotta right. accept it. And then the toady is also the one who's got the gun on Max and and kills the dog. Um, no, the toady doesn't kill the dog. The guy, the the police officer that's with the toady shoots the dog. Oh, does he shoot? Toady the dog? is over at the car getting the gas. Remember? Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right. Okay, so I mix up. But toady is is the one getting the gas, and we are, we have been told, um, by Max uh, or when Max is is dealing with the gyro captain that he, you know, the gyro captain says he's going to take his gas, and he's like, "You try to take my gas, it's rigged to explode." Yeah, it's booby trapped. Booby trapped. So we are aware of that. So when the toady starts to get a gas, we see the little flashy light, and we know he's gonna get his. Yeah. Well, even the mechanic, even, even the mechanic tells him when they when they take his car in at the compound the first time, he goes, "That's a really nice car. It'd be ashamed to blow it up." And he holds up the uh, the booby trap. I didn't see. I missed that part. Oh, you did. I did. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. There's a. I mean, there's a. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in this movie. There's a lot of things that you can pay attention to and miss out on. Um, right. I mean, I've probably seen this movie 30, 30 times or so, and I. But every it, time I watch it, I catch something that that I, that I I didn't catch before. But it's also because it's not a movie that I watch all the time. I've seen it a lot, but mm-hmm. like I think the last time I watched it before this, it's been at least three years. So, you know, you forget you forget stuff, but. Uh, the story about the dog. They wanted a dog in the movie for for Max's companion, and they actually went to the dog pound and they rescued this dog. The dog was going to be euthanized the next day. Yeah. But they they rescued the dog and they trained him right for the movie, and then he was a he, he was, was adopted. adopted by one of the cinematographers. Um, the they had a hard time with the dog being aggressive to Bruce Spence, who's the. the Captain Captain Sky Planet. Oh, really? Yeah, because Captain the dog because the dog loved him. They, oh, cause, yeah. Because he he because I guess he just they they bonded they bonded. Yeah. So the scenes where he's growling mm-hmm. at the Captain, it's because the Captain is playing tug of war with his scarf with him. Oh. So they had to use tricky camera angles and overdub angry growl sounds because because the, they were actually playing together. That they so it's pretty that's pretty cool. Yeah, there was a couple of things, and I, I don't remember off the top of my head that I was, was like where they were having issues with, um, keeping things in frame, so they would have to make some strange cuts, um, to pull the continuity of a scene together. Yeah. Um, it's because of a lot of the things that they did when they were moving. Mm-hmm. They would have a problem keeping stuff in in frame rate. They also had a problem with of where they were filming. Uh, they had a hard time getting the cars up to speed because the ground was so rough. That's why there's so many scenes. What he did was he went to 12 frames per second, and it looks like the cars are you know it looks like an episode of Dukes of Hazard. You know, whoa, whoa. Yeah, what the hell just happened right there? Yeah, exactly, like a Benny Hill. Uh, but he he said he didn't have a choice because it didn't look convincing. With the cars doing thirty mile an hour, he said it just didn't right. look good. So, right. you know, I mean, it was it's nineteen eighty nineteen eighty one. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. And then of course they've got their futuristic souped up because obviously Mel Gibson's got his souped up car that's rigged to blow and it's got the V eight. It's got the you know, and then you've got Humongous with his is it uh, <sighs> nitrous oxide nitrous oxide boost. What, what did you, know, you just call that nitrous oxide? Boost. There you go. There we go. <laughs> I think that first thing was French or something. Me no I don't know what you, speak yeah. good 
Me, mm-hmm. me no do the talkie <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy, too, because where the hell they get nitrous oxide from? You, you know what I mean? Right. It, 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 again, just let and it go. Why aren't they huffing it? Um. <laughs> They're huffing something. And uh, what was it? Papa Galio's, um, you know, that penis mobile or whatever the fuck he's driving. <laughs> That's we'll address that in the I have questions because that's one of my that's one of my biggest go questions. speed racer yeah. go speed racer. They actually use that car in Thunderdome. Oh yeah. And if you pay attention on the opening scene where Max is just standing in the middle of the road, that car is there next to his and it's empty. Mm-hmm. So it's like some foreshadowing that you know old boy dies. But uh, the only the last little bit of trivia I have is that George Miller um, was given the the opportunity to direct Road Warrior in '81 and Beyond Thunderdome in '85, so that he would step aside from Contact, which was released in '97. So look, that's how that's how long that movie was in. Wow! In, really? Yeah. I can understand that. The studio, the studio didn't want him directing it because they didn't want the they didn't like the direction that he wanted to go. So they offered him Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome. Huh. Interesting. I'm, I'm sure Jodie Foster's happy it lasted that long in production. <laughs> uh, I don't really have that much else. Do you want to do? Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? You want to go to? I have questions. You want to do box yeah, office? I, well, I think we all have a lot of questions. Okay, um, well, let's do questions. Let's do questions. Okay, so my first question. <laughs> <clears throat> is we get the toady's little speech when he is introducing humongous okay right so greetings from the humongous the lord humongous the warrior of the wasteland the ayatollah of rock and rolla you think somebody wrote that or did you just come up with that i think somebody wrote that <laughs> let's look the dialogue is not amazing in this movie i i mean the dialogue is not amazing in this movie so it is delivered so well oh yeah <laughs> Of course it is. Oof. The only the only dialogue in this movie that was written well was just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only here for the fuel. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh my my uh, one of my questions was uh Papa Gallo's car. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um basically it looks like a dildo on wheels, first of all. <laughs> Um, it's really, it's a really odd looking car, right? But I guess it's built for speed, but here's, here's the thing. So you've, you've taken this truck and all these cars and you know that what they're going to do is they're going to try and shoot out the tires. Okay. And you've put people up on top of the truck of the semi to defend it. And he's got this car. He's hauling ass and he puts on a hockey mask, a hockey helmet, right? To protect his head. But then the rest of his, the cockpit is completely open. He doesn't have any armor on him. No, nope. he doesn't. He has. He has. He's nothing. got that really thick Shetland sweater. Yeah, I guess. Um, turtleneck. Why is he not protected in that? Because that's how he gets killed when Humongous throws that. You know, try the the yard darts. Right. Remember, remember yard jet yard yard darts darts darts. darts. Like, one of my favorite games ever in the world to play. <laughs> the best. Um, I loved it, especially when they would come embedded in my in my cranium. Um, <laughs> you know what? Played played darts. Probably a thousand times as a kid. I never, never anybody got hurt. I got a dart thrown in my back when I was a kid. That sounds like fun. My brother was playing um, darts. No, he was playing Robin Hood. <laughs> oh, there you go. And he was using the darts, and he was standing up on the pool table, and he's like, "Don't try to run, Prince John!" and threw it at me, and right in the back. And of course, like he was off like a shot off of the pool table, running right after me, going, "Don't tell Bob." Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't tell mom. So, you know, he throws he throws that thing. He's supposed to be driving 60 miles an hour, and he throws a jart hard enough and fast enough and accurately enough that it uh, there's there's that was my question. no turtleneck can protect you yeah <laughs> i don't understand why you would design that car like that uh, yeah. of all the stuff in the movie that i look at and i'm like okay it, i can it, let it go why would you design that car like that it looks like you know one of the like a, the speed racers car right except it doesn't have the wide wheelbase it's like yeah. you know and it's got sorry. these big huge puffy foam tires on the sides that are so easy to shoot and they don't shoot it once in the whole movie every other car that they're chasing down they shoot tires now once they shoot these tires where do they get new tires they mm. can't just go to you know goodyear so anyway <laughs> go ahead you have questions uh yeah i have questions um well i had a question and then it it kind of answered itself while we were watching it cuz you know we've got the the woman warrior and some other dude on top of the tanker mm -hmm. as you know kind of lookouts and and throwing fireballs and whatnot at um at the people who are coming to get them and i'm thinking you're using fire as a protective weapon when you're on an oil tanker not smart right yeah well, not smart but now we know yeah but you didn't have a choice you know that i mean all, right. all they had was fire so fire and arrows yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, she actually that the warrior woman was actually originally supposed to be a male character. Mm. Yeah, but they and decided she had her thick turtleneck yeah. sweater and yeah. and hockey. They pads thought on. that they had their they had their winter camouflage on. Their winter camouflage, yeah, even though they were in the desert. In the desert. I mean, that makes more sense to me being in the desert because you don't want your you don't want to get sunburned, right? Mm -hmm. Then you know the S and M gear, but yeah. I mean, I guess you got to look ferocious, right? Listen, when you need Snaps. to not, when you need to not be shot by bow and arrows, football shoulder pads are the way to go. <laughs> and if you have a mohawk, that's less for the for the. It's like that's air velocity. Yeah, <laughs> I was dodging, I was weaving. <laughs> you can't oh hit me. I got a God. mohawk. Yeah, my other question was, you know, the the sporting goods. I did, you know, Australia is a big cricket. Sport, you know, that's their big sport there, cricket. And you said straight up to me when we paused it, you went, There's a shitload of football sold shoulder pads in this movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I had never really noticed it, but after you said it, but I'm, I'm like, like okay, yeah, yeah, it's like their football is soccer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so soccer, uh, cricket. I'm amazed I did not see a cricket bat, you would think, but there's not. Um, so where are they getting all that gear? I didn't realize that like hockey was a dicks. They got it at Dick's Sporting Goods, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was a little If you go back to Humongous's tent, he's got a Nautilus workout system in there, so it's pretty sweet. Okay. Yeah. The Bowflex? Yeah. <laughs> he's got one of each. He uses just one on each arm. That's how, <laughs> that's how fucking strong he is. Just lifts up the whole system. I don't know how to use any of these, so I just throw them around the gym for an hour okay. a day. So what questions do you have? I'll, I'll, uh, I, I mean, the only other question I have is at the end of the movie, you've got... Um, uh, uh, Captain uh, Skyrim world guy. Skyrim. He uh, <laughs> they shoot his uh gyrocopter down. Yeah. And, and he crashes, but he's a there. At he's the able end. to get it back up. He's there yeah. at the end with Max. I don't think he was able to get it back. No, up. he flew in. Cause not, af not after he crashed the second time. But that's how they got the boy back, didn't they? I thought I thought he but had it working. That's at my the end. point. They never show you have him flying that. Oh. They have him at the end help Max and the kid out of the van, out of the truck. 
and then Max realizes that it's all it's all dirt, and he kind of looks at the Captain Sky world and laughs. <laughs> And then they start talking about how the other people made it. How did Captain Skyworld and and Feral Kid get back to the group? Because there I'm, was no working vehicles there. I am I'm fairly certain that at the end you see him because I was like, how did he repair that? I think that the the gyrocopter is working at the end. So how I that was my that's my other question is that's that's a quick repair for a crash on the gyrocopter because I, I believe that's how they get back I think at the end we'll have to look that's again the only, that's the only thing that makes sense yeah. but I don't remember him flying out after that the other the other question I have is uh, he, gets, he gets the Mack truck and, mm-hmm. he, and he brings it in to pull the tanker uh, and they're sitting there going oh, it's got a cranked uh, it's got a cracked timing gear and uh, the radiator is bad and uh, this and that if you pulled that dump truck into a tires plus authorized Dump truck repair center right now. <laughs> you're not gonna have those fucking parts in stock to and be able to replace them in 12 hours. Cracks me up. They just had a radiator laying around. New radiator, yeah, new radiator. Oh, the timing gear. Yeah, I've got one. Hold on, let me look at my backpack. I've got a timing gear for a massive. How long is it gonna take? 24 hours. You got 12. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they just had parts lying around, so. I guess that's convenient. Yeah, I mean, again, this this movie when you watch it, you, you can't. I can't analyze it too much. I'm just poking fun at a couple holes there. But I mean, it's they also built a fucking oil refinery in the middle of nowhere with all these great parts and stuff with no Home Depot in sight. So I mean, I'm not I'm not going to analyze why they had engine parts laying around. <laughs> you got any more? Um, I mean, I got a lot, but I don't know if they're worth discussing. <laughs> well, throw a couple of them out there. Um, okay, yeah. Here's my question. Um, I, I understand they're trying to set up this apocalyptic world, and you know, we're all scared of the apocalyptic world because nobody's caring about anybody. But they have um, the gyro captain with his very long overcompensating telescope um, watching the attack um, specifically the attack on the woman mm-hmm. right um, and during the attack it looks like he's smiling right watching this thing and then um, the marauder is kind of done with her and he gets up and he shoots her with his crossbow and that's when he looks concerned and upset um, I just don't get that I don't get what that says about him as a character. Like, was this a, I, this was my porn for the day, and I'm happy, and all, don't, but don't kill her. Or, I don't think that he was watching it with a smile of ha- uh, happiness. It was more face. like it a, was more like a uh, ooh, ee, like the, but yeah, yeah like uh, he was like watching a train wreck. Okay, I really shouldn't be watching this, but I can't stop right. watching this. I think that that's what they were going for. Because part of me is like, was he gonna go down? And thinking that he was going to get her, or you I know, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think it, it, it isn't in keeping with what the yes. rest of the character turns out to be. But it's very, it's very unclear. It was very unclear to me. Yeah, I agree. So that's the only other one I think that's worth. Okay. Well, um, let's talk. Want... Let's talk box office then, if you want. Okay, go, baby, go. This was released in 1982. 
Uh, it was made in 1981. It made $23,667,907. Now, according to Box Office Mojo, excuse me, um, it doesn't have any international income. It's all domestic. So I don't know if it's because it was 1982 and Box Office Mojo doesn't have those numbers. I find it hard to believe that this was not released in any other countries. It had to have been. Oh, yeah, definitely because it was a sequel. Right. But we typically only talk domestic anyway. Right. So $23 million, uh, it put it at uh, number 34 for the year, uh, just over the re-release of Bambi. <laughs> and um, Which is upsetting, too. Yeah, and just, just ahead of uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Uh, it was beat out by the toy a little bit, but the toy was a Christmas release, so it actually made a lot more money. The number one movie of the year was E.T., and then Raiders of the Lost Ark, Rocky Three on Golden Pond, Officer and Gentleman, Porky's. Okay. Uh, Wikipedia says that the U.S. box office was $36 million and the Australian box office was four point five. Okay. Well, I didn't use Wikipedia. I used box office. Mojo. Okay, I'm just. No. I, I it that surprises me. Well, it, it might have uh, that 36 million might be okay. re releases or anniversary releases too. Okay. Um, one of the things that when we were watching the title credits, you were like, "Ooh, Brian May." Yeah. Not the Brian May you're thinking of. It's not Brian May from Queen. No, different Brian May. Uh, I need a source on that. You do? All right. Um, so I will look at music by Brian May. Uh, Brian May is an Australian composer, not to be confused with the guitarist of the band Queen. All right. So that's on Wikipedia. I've seen it on several other sources. He needs to change his fucking name then. <laughs> all right? Because that's misleading. That's the only reason I watched that movie was because I thought Queen was doing the music. Well, Brian May uh, was born in July 1934, and he died April 1997. So I believe he's been around longer than Brian May from Queen. Just saying. But he's not as popular, so he, by therefore, directive he was the Brian of Humongous, first. just walk away from your name. <laughs> <laughs> The, I, oh, okay, I didn't know that. I had a, a little bit of an issue. I, I like, I I get the. I, I didn't. I was not thrilled with the music in this. I know I understand it's, that, that it's, it's like that this great, yeah. cinematic stuff like that. But I was like, you want to have one of the longest violin sustained notes at one point, and it's like it's this is not even like a very tense scene. But here we go. It was just. It just seemed. No offense to the late Brian May, but. It just seemed like we're just feeling it. Like I think silence would have worked a lot better in some scenes than yeah. just the music all the time because it's like it's too much. Well, it's not. It's not accent right. accentuating the scenes that it needs to be doing. Again, it's 1981. Yeah, they did things a lot different back then. You know, I mean, like like they always up oh, somebody's about to die. Here comes the scary music. You know what I mean? It's like you gave you gave it away. Right. Um, I will honestly say that that was the first time that I had noticed music by Brian May. And at the end of the movie, I was like, well, I won't be buying this soundtrack. <laughs> I did. Because one of my favorite soundtracks ever is uh, Highlander. Right. It's, the, it's a kind of magic album by Queen. And the songs are amazing. And I'm watching this going, I don't know if I like what Brian did here. So, so that's good to know, actually. Yeah. He still needs to change his name. He <laughs> still, posthumously, you're going to change your name. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> so okay, all right. We'll make a compromise. 
Mm-hmm. They need to go back into the the storyboard credits of Road Warrior, and it says music by Brian May, parenthesis, not the one from Queen. <laughs> Close. <laughs> not the one you're thinking of. <laughs> or, or better yet, Brian May. No, not that one. <laughs> and I'm, it, it's funny because I mean I don't know how many Australian films came out the same year, but it won the Australian Film Institute Award for Best Original Score. Wow. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, they do have a Brian May scholarship, so maybe we can just petition that it's the Brian May scholarship, not the Brian not May you're thinking guy, of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I misspoke earlier when I said that this was one of the most expensive movies ever produced. Uh, I, I, I misread that. It was the most expensive movie ever produced in Australia. Right. It was, it was not. Uh, I, I, there's I, a difference. Yes, yeah. I did not add that. I, I said that wrong. So a corrections department has corrected myself. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. What were your top three? My top three. Um, my top three moments were. I, th- of course, they're all like comedy moments because you know that's what you need in a film like this is some levity. Um, so the the scene where. Max is using his binoculars and trying to check out what's going out down in the refinery. And the gyro captain comes between or behind him. Oh, oh, oh I'm going to whip this out. Um, he whips out his telescope and it's like, what, a six foot long telescope or something like that. And it's like over Max's head and Max looks up and gives him this look and rips it away from him and hands him the binoculars so he can see it. It was just funny. Yes overcompensating telescope yes so that's one uh two i'd have to say the mechanic scene and i really wish i had the dialogue to read because it's it's just funny it's just really funny um back and forth because you got people yelling across the compound um so one person you know uh, papa gallo asks a question one guy yells it one mechanic talks to the other mechanic and then yells back so it's just very um (laughs) Yeah, because at the time it's a Pop- game of telephone. <laughs> at the time, Papagallo had taken a arrow to the hip, yeah, so, so he, he was couldn't there, yell. He couldn't yeah, move. yeah. <laughs> so that's good, and and I I do, um, you know, there's a little bit of shoulder for you in 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 seeing the toady, you know, get his come up. It's not only losing his fingers, like I'm gonna get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know, blowing up the car, so. All right, my number three is when uh, Max and Captain Skyworld are on top of the... <laughs> I'm never going to get that guy's name right again. Captain Skyworld are on top of the mountain, and they're just scoping out, and he's got Skyworld chained down, and yep. he pulls out the dog food, mm-hmm. right? And Captain Skyworld immediately thinks that he's going to be able to get some, and he reaches into his pocket and he's an got a joke, spoon. and he's got a big ass wooden spoon. Uh, Joey, yes, he's yes, Joey. He's from Joey. Yes, that's what we eat here. Uh, and, and he's got this look on his face, like, "Oh, he's going to share it with me." And Mel Gibson never even looks back at him. Yeah, he just throws the can to the dog, and yeah. now he's trying to get the dog. And then he tries to get it from the dog, and the dog growls at him. <laughs> um, uh, I I like. I know that it's a big scene, but I, I do like the the climax of the movie. I do like the the whole the whole car chase. It's a, it's it's got some ridiculous scenes in it, but it's I mean it's kind of well put put together well and and things like that. Uh, number one is just walk away because that scared the shit out of me as a kid because I didn't watch scary movies. I, I mean I didn't watch scary movies in my thirties even. So something like that happened and it shows up on the movie and the movie and you and I'm watching it and it scares me. Then yes, it, it but it was. 
just walk away. <laughs> Still get chills. <laughs> he doesn't quite say it like that, but yeah. it, that's how it resonates with me. So and that was my number one. That was your number one? That was one. my number one. Okay. Uh, would you watch this again? Um, I might. I think I'm probably more apt to watch Fury Road again. That's fair. Than 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 this one. Yeah, that's fair. This isn't this isn't your wheelhouse. So uh, to watch Fury Road again, I would I would definitely agree watching it over over this. But I still love this movie. I think this movie is. I it's it's just for what it was when it was. I just think that they really nailed it. All right. All right. Um, what am I gonna watch? Oh well, we are. Um, well into and I think we'll probably try to release the the this one and 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 the one that has not been released yet pretty quick so we can re- release this one um right in time for spooky season. Mm-hmm. Uh we are going to watch 2006 Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon. That's uh that's that wrestler in WWE that wore that crazy <laughs> head mask here, right? No. Um, it's a, uh, a documentary, um, black comedy slasher film. Um, it's directed by Scott Glossman and, uh, we have some nice little, um, uh, people that we're, we're used to seeing in other horror things. So you've got the, the guy that plays Herschel, um, from The Walking Dead that's mm-hmm. in this, um, the imminable Robert England, if I said that right. Um, and, uh, Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist as well, making some, some appearances in this film. So this is a nice little twist revisionist horror type of, of film. So, um, I, I hope we both enjoy it because I have not seen it. Um, I've, I've heard of it and watched the trailer a couple times and it's interesting. It looks interesting. So, all right. Sounds like a plan. On our way to Halloween folks. All right. All right. So, so take us home, mama. All right. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us, if there's a film that you would like us to cover, or if you are a podcaster and would like to join us um, and suggest a film for us to watch, uh, you can reach us in uh, a few different ways. Um, we are on Instagram and we are on Twitter, um, both at the handle Honey Watch This. Um, we also have a Facebook page, so you can direct message us there as well. And uh, if you just kind of want to see what's going on uh, with us as our as your host, I am on Instagram at marketing underscore angel, and Greg is um, a hermit. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> not doing the social media thing too much these days. It's just too nasty out there. It'll get better. It gets better. Okay. All right. Well, then we'll wait till then. <laughs> All right. So thanks for sticking with us for another. Honey, you should watch this. Yep. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed it. Tell your friends. Have fun. Bye. Bye. Bye.